it's Christmas time again in the county of the Glen. Our Christmas tree is ready for Saint Nick. And the stockings, they are hung with the hope that Rudolph comes. Sweet Glengarry, it's Christmas time again. Well, there's nothing quite like a Celtic Christmas night. We're ready for you when the time is right. We're gathered by the fire, singing songs and sipping cider. Merry Christmas to all, to all a merry old night. Well, it's forty odd below, and the snow begins to blow. We'll be counting on old Rudy's nose tonight. And as Santa makes his way, and the children lay awake, the pipes will play to welcome him our way. Well, there's nothing quite like a Celtic Christmas night. We're ready for you when the time is right. We're gathered by the fire, singing songs and sipping cider. Merry Christmas to all and to all a merry old night. As we slowly all awake with a smile upon our face, all rush out to gather round the tree. Friends and family, we all gather with our matching Christmas sweaters. Happy holidays and best wishes for the new year. Well, there's nothing quite like a Celtic Christmas night. We're ready for you when the time is right. We're gathered by the fire singing songs and sipping cider. Merry Christmas to all and to all a merry old Welcome back to episode number five of the Screaming Beaver podcast. I'm your host, Jason Jackson. A big thanks to my friends over at Bang on the Ear. They're a Celtic rock band from Glengarry, Ontario. Uh, They provided us with tonight's intro music, A Celtic Christmas Night. Michelle and Brad are longtime friends of mine, and you can actually even hear their daughter, Lachlan, on the the track, uh, which I thought was quite cute. Um, Lachlan's a hell of a soccer player. She plays with my daughter and it was nice to hear her. Uh, if you, uh, want to listen to the uh, music, you can stream it over at bang on the ear music, all one word, dot bandcamp.com, or you can download the track and support the artist for a dollar 99, which is a steal in my opinion. Uh, tonight's episode, we have, uh, Louise Sproul on. Louise is the owner and publisher of the Vantlakill Review newspaper. Uh, she is the straw that stirs the drink here in Vantlakill. Uh, her 
events that she puts on in this town are just unreal. Uh, the Everything from the Yes Women Can shows to the Christmas uh, house tours, uh, you name it, Louise has her uh, her finger in it. She's a member of the fair board. Uh, she's just she's just into everything in in Van Kill, and she just recently put out a new book. Uh, so we get into all that stuff. I mean, I could do five episodes uh, with Louise and still only touch the the surface of the things that she does for this town. So I hope everyone enjoys the episode. And without further ado, here's the interview. Good evening, Louise. How are you tonight? I am good. How are you? Oh, very well. Uh, how are things going here at the Review uh, these days? Pretty good. We had a very busy week last week. We put out probably the biggest paper ever in the history of the Review. It was 64 pages because, of course, we changed our page size. But it's a lot of a lot of file handling. But yeah. uh, it's pretty busy. And we're, we opened up the front reception area this week for three days. We've been closed since March and then more and more people have been coming to the back door, which we had set up for people. And I figured that it probably made more sense to have a, more stringent controls in the front area than have people coming in the back door, although we did have a table set up. So we're open again next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because there's lots of books for sale by local authors. And Yeah, great, uh, great presents for under the tree and stocking yeah. stuffers. And, uh, so uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Who is Louise Sproul? Oh my God. I was just saying to somebody the other day that the older you get, the longer your stories get. You know that when you're 22 and somebody says, you know, what's new or where are you from? Like it takes five minutes to tell people, but the older you get, the more stories there are. But um, anyway, I'm descended from Simeon Van Cleek. There's still a lot of his descendants around. Um, Both my parents are from here, but they didn't meet each other until they were working in Montreal. Um... I always make a joke and say my parents aren't related to each other, but I probably shouldn't make that (laughs) on the radio. But um, yeah, so uh, they moved here from Montreal when I was about six. So I went to Hawkesbury Public School. And then I tell a story in my book of how I was supposed to go to Hawkesbury High School, but I was at the tail end of the baby boom. And there were so many grade niners that the Prescott County Board of Education sort of temporarily shrunk the boundaries to right outside Hawkesbury. So all the kids from Lornell, all the kids from Chute Blondo, and all up uh, like Green Lane, uh, up Highway 34, we all had to take a bus to Hawkesbury, get off, get on another bus, and come to Vankley Kill. Oh, really? And uh, true story here. My mother was so upset because she said, it's just a bunch of farmers up there. What are you going to do in high school up there? It was a big meeting and... A lot of parents were unhappy. They thought we were being sent off into the wild unknown up here. Um, But anyway, as I say in my book, I keep talking about my book, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because when I came here, I felt like this is where I'm from. Like that I wasn't from Hawkesbury, although my mom is from Hawkesbury. I mean, I have roots there, but this is is my hometown. I mean, I knew it the minute that I walked up town at noon hour, I thought... Wow, how come I've never been here before? I mean, it's only six minutes away or whatever, but... So, yeah, so I went to high school here and uh, met a lot of farmers, which is fine. My dad uh, grew up on a farm and um, worked at the Review after school, 
um, cause I wanted to be a writer and then I ended up doing everything but writing. I learned the books and I did layout and I learned how to run a linotype and, um, Anyway, I worked there full time for two years and then I thought there's no future here. Like I can't just keep working at this newspaper, <laughs> smart me. So I went to university. Uh, I went to Trent University and um, so I started studying psychology there. And then um, about a year later, a year or so later, my partner and I, he had come with me. Um, we moved back here. Um, so I finished my degree part time here. And I also got a part-time job um, working in a printing plant doing the layout. It was just, we used to do three newspapers a week. It was in Grenville at the time. And um, it wasn't too long after that, that uh, um, like I knew that Jean-Paul, you know, was, he had been ill and he, you know, I knew, I sort of had a feeling he might be looking uh, for um, like someone to buy the paper. So, you know, some years went, I'm, I'm skipping a lot of years here. Like I said, we'd be here till tomorrow morning. Yeah. I, but anyway, I, I was involved with the uh, Vanquish Hill Collegiate Institute reunion. And I kind of reconnected with Jean-Paul then because we were working on a book for the reunion. And we were at the review using the light tables and they were making the pictures because we had to stick the pictures in this book and everything. And, uh, and I, you know, I started feeling kind of, you know, sentimental about the place. Like I'd been gone. He was just, I mean, I walked in the back door. It was like I had never left. And uh, so we, I started talking to him about maybe buying the paper and I had somebody uh, help me find some money to borrow because I was a single parent at that time and I didn't have, I didn't have any money. And uh, so I had a really nice lawyer who uh, found me money to borrow. To, yeah. <laughs> the guy didn't even know me and uh, I bought the paper. And so I paid that back. And uh, anyway, I just, it's. So was, was that when the review was over across from the uh, United Church on? Uh... Yeah. 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 The review was there from 1919 until uh, 2004. Okay. And then I, we moved over here. So you bought it in which year? In 92. 92. I, I bought it just when it was going to become a hundred year old okay. newspaper. And yeah. uh, how long had uh, Jean, Jean-Paul, you said? Or? Yeah, it was owned by Jean-Paul Boyer and his wife, Therese. And it had been his father's before that. And it had been in the Boyer family for 65 years. Oh, okay. So I, you know, like I said, I'm condensing a lot. I, I knew that his two kids, you know, they were adults by then. They had never worked at the newspaper. I think the son had briefly. Um, so I knew that, you know, I knew them. I knew they were like family practically for me. So um I knew that they didn't, I mean, I think they were happy to find somebody that wanted to take it on. Yeah. And um, so it really worked out well. Well, uh, for sure. And uh, when did you buy this lovely building? Uh, um, this used to be Becker's, right? This was, yeah, yeah. It wasn't lovely when I bought it. <laughs> I think almost everybody in town told me I was crazy. Maybe I was crazy. Who knows? But yeah. um, I bought it in, I think it's 2004. Okay. Yeah. So we've been here uh, about 16 years. Yeah, you a lot of work into it and uh yeah it was a it was a, a long five months but we got it done yeah. but it's it was good it was when we were at the old building i mean 41 high street used to be a hotel and a saloon oh really yeah it was one big room um and you know they built offices when i was kind of there when i read right when i was there working there my i call it Every, a lot of people have worked at the review more than once and it's called a tour of duty you know i <laughs> i did three tours of duties and dorothy's done two um, I had Suzanne Tacey work for me for 25 years. She did two tours of duty. Sometimes people work, they take a break and then they come back. But, um, yeah, that used to be a big, uh, bar saloon. And then when we changed from, um, uh, 
com like compugraphic computers. We went to like real computers, not typesetting computers, but we were using, we were digitizing and, um, you know, we were trying to wire networks and everything and we were just trying to do everything. It wasn't, um, it sort of wasn't built for what we need today. And in fact, I put in so many, uh, network, you know, pl wall plugs and everything. And I should have put in four times as many, like we have VoIP phones, we, but we're, but we're okay. You know, yeah. we've, we've managed, we've got, uh, yeah, no, it's a very, works. very nice building and very nice setup you have here. And, uh, so it's one of the uh, the nicest buildings in town as oh, far as well. I'm concerned. It's, thanks. I spent a lot of time uh, right where I'm sitting right now playing video games uh, like Street Fighter and Oh, <laughs> this, this is, is that the, right? Yeah, this is where the uh, where the uh, video game was right when you walked in the door there there was I'm trying a, to remember. I mean, I've yeah. come in here before. Yeah. I can't yeah, I can't remember what was. It. Yeah, they used to have movies against this wall, didn't they? Yeah, that was that was a little bit uh, I don't know if they had a whole lot of movies when I was a kid. We had video bike down the street where we'd oh, go. Oh, I remember video bike. I was, I was just talking to Alana Cameron last night because uh, one of our favorite movies from our childhood was uh, Best of the Best. It was a karate movie and it's on oh. Net Netflix now. So I sent her oh, a wow. message to tell her that it was there and you know, we were reminiscing about uh, all the the time we'd spend at video bite staring at the same uh, 200 movies to see what we were going to rent that night uh, when we were I kids. So, video Yeah. Um, so, uh, what are the challenges that are facing small town papers these days? Uh, they're getting f fewer and farther between, I think. Uh, yeah. And you know, it's, um, yeah, there's, there's so much to say about that. There are in Canada, there are still more than 1000 community newspapers. And I don't know how that compares with what used to be. I didn't uh, look that up before this. But in Ontario, there's over 221 community newspapers. But I think the interesting thing is that um, of the 1,026 uh, newspapers in Canada, 467, so that's almost half, are owned by one of 10 companies. Okay. So I think the rarity that's happening is the independent newspapers are becoming fewer. Um, and of course, there's a huge... Um, you know, a huge uproar with among newspaper owners about, um, you know, how Google and Facebook have stolen all the advertising. And, you know, it's, there's been a huge change in the economy and in the marketplace. And I, I often say to people, I think newspapers were the canaries in the gold mine. It has hit us first, but it is now hitting retailers and furniture stores. Insurance people are going to feel a hit. They, everybody's going to feel it. And I think, I mean, it's about time they did a support local thing, but right now there are a number of, uh, well, there's some lawsuits uh, pending. And I think in France, uh, the government has, I think there's legislation that's saying that Google and Facebook have to uh, pay community media. They have to pay newspapers for using their content. But of course, Google and Facebook and the big players, I mean, they're pretty much the only big players are arguing that they don't really need the content. Like they're just, you know, it's, they're just so big and it's, they don't really need our content. But from our perspective, I mean, people might find it hard to, hard to believe or fathom even when we took, put the pictures up of the blockade on the bridge, on the Long Sioux Bridge, like within, I think, I don't even think it was 12 hours. We had a quarter of a million views oh, really? on that. Yeah. So we have a bigger reach, like an average month would be like 150,000 on our Facebook page. Oh, really? That's yeah, our website is over 100,000 stories are read in a month on our Facebook page. So, no, sorry, on our website. 
But the big problem, like at the core of it is if we don't have the advertising revenue, we don't have enough revenue to pay the people that we had. I mean, I think something like 30% of journalists have been released in the United States and it's, it's, uh, there were more papers in the States. So it's, you know, the news, the review since the pandemic started, I think we printed every week for the first month and then we went to week two and four of every month. And, um, it's to stay sustainable. I mean, our revenues have been down 30, 40, 50% per month. So it's either, it's a kind of a catch 22. I can either print every week and have not enough people to put the paper out, or I can put the content out and lean a little bit more to putting it online where it's not so expensive and keep people employed because I can't, I can't put out a newspaper with nothing in it to read or everybody's going to say the paper's no good. Yeah. It's really, really hard. I mean, I put, I put people first and I do feel badly because I think there are some people that have, they're, they don't have the internet connectivity. They're not into it. Maybe the, oh, I don't want to, you know, say it's always the older people or some people that just hate the internet. Yeah. So those are the people suffering. They're not getting the full value, but we're, you know, we're publishing stories on a website every day. Um, even the, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's like a, the National Newspaper Association. We're part of the Canadian Newspaper Association. I think it's uh, some type of media awards. And one of the criteria was you had to publish every day and then they changed it to publish online every day. So that means that we can compete with the New York Times okay. because we're doing, we're publishing online every day, which is, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're posting four or five items per day. Some of them are provincial press releases, but a lot of it's police reports. We have local stories. So we try to publish every day. It puts us higher in the Google search, yeah. the more active our website is. So as you said, you shouldn't ask that because I can, but it's, it's interesting too, when you look at the local people in this community, when they talk about support local, you know, are they advertising with us? Like it's very hard because they see, well, I can boost this on Facebook for five bucks. Why should I buy an ad for 20 in the review or 25 or 30? And people are still reading their paper. But if they get a few people walk in the door from Facebook, they have instant results and they think they're, they're good to go. But I always counter that with, you know, you have to, you can't put all your eggs in one basket and why are, you know, businesses are closing because you're joining millions of businesses on, on Facebook and every, I don't know if we're all going to end up living online and watching ads online. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I'm talking and I just don't stop. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's good. Um, people are here to listen to you, uh, listen to you talk. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big supporter of, uh, of local, uh, supporting local. And, uh, I wanted to get this, get to this a little later, but we might as well touch on it now. Um, I'm not a fan of the Tim Hortons in town. And <laughs> I, I know to, to the fans out there, like I got a list of questions, which I uh, just came in like late this afternoon. And one of those things, one of them was, and I'm going to just cheat and go ahead here. It says, um, the death of Anglican as we know it. And I know that Jason has been against that. And, you know, I think people better give themselves a shake because the little charm and the wonderful things that we have here in Vankley Kill, it is the people who make that and it is our heritage and you cannot buy heritage. Yeah. We have it and we have to protect it. And there's nothing to prevent an investor from buying half of Main Street and taking it down to make it look like some cute little village in St. Silver. There's nothing to stop them. So yeah. that, you know, that has been my thing is that we need elected officials that are watching what the hell is going on. Yeah. Uh, I've, 
Anyway, sorry, you were going to start and I interrupted No, you. no. Um, so uh, when I was in grade 12, we went to this little town called uh, Kayama in Australia with Mr. Vidan as a uh, as a high school trip. And they actually have a law in their town saying that you're not allowed to have any um, chains. chains. Yeah, no chains in town because it's a very touristy area and they don't want a McDonald's on the thing. So if you want to go to McDonald's, you got to drive to the next town. Uh, down the road you go to mom and dad's hamburger shop and and i kind of always thought that's how van the kill should be um you know no chains in town everything uh owned uh locally and uh it's what makes us different than than every other little town in van the kill the fact that we don't have a tim hortons we don't have a uh, subway uh, god forbid we ever get a taco bell um you know and and that's what makes you different. And people going to the Bear Fork Shed and people going to... Broken Kettle. Broken Kettle. And uh, I, like my kids, uh, they save up their, their pennies <laughs> to go to the Broken Kettle in the summer and get some ice cream and um, or, or go to the Dep, as they, they call it, down yes. to, to, uh, to the Depreneur. And the um, and, and same thing with the, the expansion of um, the development that's going in. I, I was not a big... Uh, fan of the idea of putting a whole bunch of houses tight close together and uh no i you know um i like family kill the size that it is and i know i know i'm in the minority and i have a lot of good friends that uh adamantly uh, disagree with me on that and that's their right and uh, we can still be friends about it but yeah it's it is hard i mean i think you know the little businesses that are here and i say little and i don't mean that in a derogatory way but um, they need more volume. Yeah. They, everybody here, I mean, that's why everyone loves the home tour, even the fair. The fair generates a lot of local spending. You know, all of people are buying food and they're making baking entries and they're picking up extension cords. I mean, this it's a certain amount of um, dollar investment. I went to, I'm on the fair board and I was lucky enough to go to the convention in Toronto and they talked about trying to put the dollar value uh, onto your economy and telling the local people about it because it generates a lot of investment. Um, so it's the same thing with an other investment with other houses. There's been a ton of infilling happening in Bankley Hill. Like there's not a lot of vacant lots. Take a walk around the streets yeah. and our population hasn't grown because the per capita household currently is very low. I should have printed that out for you. In fact, I, at the meeting about the subdivision, the public meeting, I presented, um, a sort of a, a population study, what we have now, how many people per square kilometer and how many people we will have. And the population density right now, I could print it out if I was back at my computer, but I don't remember what it is, but I think it's it's almost like 10 times the population density that yeah. we have now. I mean, you look, I mean, and like, I know the developer says you can't, we can't build Victorian houses down there, but I was still, and I'm still, every time I see him walk by, I'm still saying, it, you know, I guess it's too late, but that subdivision plan looks like something that could be anywhere. And there was an opportunity to do something really special, really different, really special. And, you know, I know it's all about packing in. It falls within the municipalities, you know, um, densification plan or intensification, meaning it's cheaper to serve a larger number of people in a smaller area, yeah. a smaller footprint. But is it a pleasant place to live and what will it be like in 10, 20, 30 years? Yeah. And also you got to look at the local economy. We don't have the economy we had uh, 20, 30 years ago. 
PPG's gone. Uh, Avaco is paying, you know, relative like half what they used to. Uh, I used to work at Avaco, and when I walked in there the first day, I couldn't believe the cars that were in the parking lot. Like big trucks, there were Porsches, there were Jaguars. Uh, you know, they paid very well at the time. And uh, the, the pay rate now is probably less uh, per hour when you start than when I started back in the 90s. Uh, so like the, it, they're not the employer that they used to be. What they had over, I think they used to have about 600 and I remember writing that 630 some employees. They probably still have the same number of employees, but this, the, the pace, the pay scale is not the same. And, uh, and same with PPG, you know, PPG was, uh, oh, yeah. you know, number Everybody one. Everybody looked at you. That's yeah. where you wanted to go. You wanted to go to PPG and, and so they're gone now. IKO, I don't think is at the same numbers they used to be. So so who's going to buy these houses if there's no jobs? People from outside the region. Yeah. Um, and if they come, like, I don't know. Anyways, um, I guess we're not going to solve that tonight. But uh, no. it's uh, it's a little discouraging. Uh, I, I like I like things the way they are. And I've heard people say, I moved to Vantley Kill because the way Vantley Kill is. I don't want, like, I came from Montreal. I don't want to end up in the same situation where I left, you know. And no. I think the challenge will be, and I know Bankley Kill Councillor Peter Barton has talked about it, is um, how do, how do, I think most of the people, there are a lot of new people here and they have chosen to come here, as you say, because of what we have and what it is. And they are trying, I can see they're joining things, they're artists, they're, uh, they, they like what's here and they want to be part of it. So I think I just wish, like I was saying to the developer, I think the streets should have stayed north, south, east, west to keep the sight lines open instead of those, you know, curved yeah. type of thing that you see everywhere, curved streets. But I would like to think that the people that move there, it's just like the subdivision that happened here so many years ago. It ended up being a lot of local people who maybe wanted to, you know, downsize that moved in. And it was a bit of capacity you know, for new people that just can't find a house that's affordable, you know, that not everybody can buy a huge Victorian brick house. So I hope the first 50, you know, that's the first phase, 50 homes could be two or three people per household. That's another 150 people right there. Yeah. So if they could spread the first, uh, if they could spread all the houses out to start with and uh, instead of building them all packed in together, like build one, skip two lots, build one, skip two lots, yeah. and then fill in afterwards. I don't know if that's, uh, if that's an option or maybe yeah. people will buy two, uh, two lots and have a double lot or it, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, back to you. <laughs> um, so, uh, tell me some of, about some of the projects you're, you're working on. I know you've, you've done a lot of projects over the years. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I'd love to hear from anybody listening. Um, we did Yes Women Can every second year and, uh, uh, Phil and I reached like an amicable agreement. We got along. Okay. But he would do the trade show one spring. And then the next spring I would do the women's show and trade shows. I mean, anybody that's listening out there that has ever participated, they're a huge expenditure of time and money. And so, the last, when we didn't do it the last time, it was our 125th and we had a lot going on. So we skipped that year, but I, I'd like to do something different that doesn't, I mean, they're so expensive to put on. People have no idea. I remember one time after the, uh, after one of the uh, Yes Women Can events, somebody said, 
well, what do you do with all that money? And I thought, <laughs> I said, well, after we pay for the extra insurance, after we pay 6,000 for the electrical, after we pay 15,000 to the rental company, after we pay 2,500 to the arena, like there's, you know, it just, it comes in and it goes. Like, yeah. I mean, unless you run it on a shoestring, but we were trying to do something like extra special and extra classy, which was a huge amount of fun. Anyway, my question being, what would people like to see? Because it costs a business upwards of $300 to participate. It's the same with the Champlain commercial fair. Yeah. And you know, people like we charged to come in and we gave people a beverage and a cocktail and a chance for a prize, but maybe people liked it and it was working. I just, or after I do something four or five times, I think, well, what can we do differently? And we're hoping that we can go ahead with the Christmas home tour in um, 2021. We'll have to see how that evolves. Cause it's yeah. about a thousand at minimum of a thousand people. The last few times we've had more people in town that like I would serve um, coffee or homemade muffins or something outside the review just to talk to people like I made sure everybody was covered everything was delegated that day and I couldn't believe the number of people said oh we, we don't have tickets but we just came to see what's going on and I thought oh my god we've already we've got a thousand sold out tickets and we have more people in yeah. town so that was uh, yeah no the home tour is is really good I worked uh, on Higgison Street uh, at the front door, they're giving a little spiel about uh, the history, the, the history the, of the building and everything. It was quite fun. I tell you, every, yeah. and we had such a great like for this year. Um, we were going to we were going to offer an exclusive um, a champagne a champagne tour, like a champagne. I forget there was another word with it. So we were going to sell uh, one of the actually a couple of volunteers gave me the idea, um, and we were going to sell tickets for this thing the night before and that you would go on a bus. All of this sounds horrendous right now, right? But go on a bus and they'd go from house to house night before to see the lights. Okay. And so that would be a $50 ticket and it would also give you a ticket for the next day. But then we were going to try to sell a thousand tickets for the next day, just the same and bump the volunteers to the night before the night before a tour, just to try to bring in some more revenue. Cause that's, I don't know, maybe it's, I don't run an event well or something, but things do add up. After you start running an event, you keep adding, you know, even the buses, like we get sponsors, the buses are expensive. Um, it just, everything seems to come with a lot of, uh, yeah. lot of extra. So anyway, we wanted to add that new, uh, new item. And I mean, yeah, but we had, I sent out an email to everyone, uh, saying we miss them. We hope to see them next year. And a whole bunch of people replied, people even emailed during the summer asking if it was going ahead. And I say, we can't, we can't process a thousand people. Yeah. With the COVID and everything. Like, um, yeah. my, my in-laws come from Ottawa, uh, and, uh, my sister-in-law brings, uh, some of her friends and, and they make a, a day of it there yeah. and they, they really enjoy it. So I think it's, it's a really good, I mean, if there's one thing, you know, like I've been doing that for a while, I just, I would love to maybe help get other events started because that's such a great retail day for, and it's a great day for all the church organizations. Like if we had seven events like that happening here, maybe one a month yeah. with somebody else heading it up. It's a huge, you know, I'm just thinking like if one, if there's a thousand people come here and they've bought their tickets, so they're leaving, you know, $25 at the review or 22, whatever it is, I'm sure they're buying their lunch. It's another 10, 15 bucks. I'm sure they're going to spend 20, 30, $40 shopping. Like you're almost at a hundred dollars per person. And if they come here and fill up with gas, if that's a minimum of a thousand people, that's a lot of new money coming in. It's not just us buying from each other. And I think that's so important to get other people's money. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Sorry. It's... I didn't mean that as crassly as I did, but that's what I mean. We have beautiful businesses here 
and they need more people in there. And so that's, that is the one thing I hold out hope for with, I know we call them new people, but I hope that the people that do choose to move to the new development choose to come here because they want to be here. And I've told the developer, they, they have to be beautiful little homes. Yeah. We have to somehow make it work because anyway, I, I hope, <laughs> I hope. Uh, the, the thing with events, they, they have to be something that's uh, unique, I think. And the, the home tour is unique and yes, women can's unique. Uh, I've been trying to help with the winter carnival, uh, for the past few years and, uh, working with Lisa at the, at the township. And, um, it's just uh, you have so much competition and so much of the same thing. Uh, so we have a carnival here. Lorinelle has their little part of the yeah. carnival down there. Uh, Saint Eugene has a carnival. Del Keith has a very successful uh, carnival. So um, there's just there's just so much carnival you can take, right? But um, usually the the big events we put on on the Friday night are well attended. Uh, whether it was Lawrence LaRouche and his magic show or the wrestling, the wrestling, that, thing. The wrestling we put on. Um, but, uh, well, did I ever, I, I think I told, I think I have told you this, but yeah, I like, yeah, I'm, I'm always grateful when events that I do are successful, but you know, I've, I've had my share of fails, like with the Rotary Club we put, and that one thing I think we're missing here is a big New Year's Eve party, like an old fashioned thing with fiddling or, you know, yeah, and I keep thinking about that in the back of my mind. One of my things I'd love to do is uh, whoops, a sportsman reunion night where we could get some of the entertainers that used to be up there and raise money for a good cause. But uh, one time we did this huge New Year's Eve party. It was the Rotary Club, believe it or not. Eight people showed up because it was freezing rain. We had boxes of sandwiches left over, so you can't. In the winter, it's hard. Yeah, because people have to. And then the carnival one year, um, when I was involved with it years ago. Uh, we had a sumo wrestle, you know, those big costs. Yep, yeah, I Man, remember that. They were lined up outside the door and Janice Renwick and I were saying, oh my God, we've got a you know a ringer here. And people were waiting and it was the most disgusting thing, a sweaty <laughs> costume. We did it again the next year with 30 people. Yeah. It's, like everybody, it, like you said, it has to be like trending, unique. Yeah, it's like the Combine Derby um uh, uh I guess the Convoy Derby still brings people in at the fair, but I just find it, you've seen it once, you've seen it a bunch of times. And, uh, and they're bringing the same combines back. It's the same ones as the year before. And yeah, I don't blame them. No. I mean, how many used combines can you have in one yeah. year? But It's just, uh, and it's pretty anticlimactic because they don't go very fast. And uh, uh, But it does, the, the allure of having something different that nobody else has uh, brings people in. Um, but, uh, yeah. but the Demo Derby, like the Vanquish Hill Fair... It's like, it's just, it's the thing. It, it, it yeah. just goes, people go, they love it. The demo derby, yeah. it works. Yeah, it does. And uh, it's the one place um, that you know you're going to see all your friends from high school. Everyone comes home for the fair and, uh, you know, the beer gardens on, on Friday night or Saturday night. You're going to run yeah. into a ton of people that you know. Um, I just think that Friday night needs to be a bigger a bigger draw. Um, the, the horse pull doesn't do it for me as a main attraction on, on Friday night. No, well, it, the horse pull used to be Thursday, but then they got bumped for the combine derby. Yeah. But I, I, but the Friday, they used to have like a big headliner, like in the old issues of the review, they'd have like, 
I can't think of anybody's name, but they'd have like a, a Canadian yeah, Tommy country, Hunter, country Tommy star. Hunter was there one year. They had, and they had, used to have Wayne Rostad one year, was yeah. there Friday night years ago. I mean, I know he was back recently, but. Yeah, they just, uh, to me, they need to fix Friday night and, and have something, have something big and have something different or um, it's just, it's, Friday night seems to be a letdown um, mm-hmm. as far as a main, main attraction. But if anyone is listening from the fair board, that's my two cents on that. Um, mega truck, those trucks with the wheels that are like, oh, like a 10 feet. Yeah. yeah big trucks monster driving trucks. on top of the top of each other. I think that would, people yeah. would love that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a big insurance expense. I know less used to Thursday nights, yeah. you do the jumping and stuff, but again, it's, uh, one of those guys crashes and kills himself. It's terrible. It'd be, it's it'd be terrible. Bad. Yeah. But that's what people want to see. I always thought uh, lawn tractor racing would be uh, would be good. Or you know. but they but they have doesn't Shorty Milkovic used to do that. Did he you did uh, that? lawn tractor pulls. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay, that's so right. So yeah. racing would be a little bit a uh, little bit different. But uh, I don't know. It's, it would be different. Yeah, it would be different. Um, so yeah, what else? Uh, what other projects you got on the go? Uh, well, the Van Cleek FM thing. I think we I talked to you about it. We have a website ready to go to create um, a 24-hour online radio station. And I have so many people that want to do podcasts. Do you know anybody that's doing a podcast? I do. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea would be, and this was before the pandemic, that everybody could do their shows, upload them into their program time slot. And I got all the local musicians whose CDs are for sale here at the Review, like Patty Kelly, um, Ashley McLeod, um, McLeod Fiddlers, and Ian Hepburn with his mindfulness bell. Like we, I had a whole schedule ready to go. And um, because, and it's of course, here I am, you know, being so upset about internet and stuff. But if we're 24 hours, we can register. And then you can say to your Google Home or your Alexa, hey, Google, play Van Cleek FM. And then you can hear. And then one of my journalists was ready to do a daily news thing. And I thought we'd get somebody goofy to do the weather. And I want to get yeah. local celebrities to do station IDs. But it's just the time. And then this thing happened. And I have to sort out the SOCAN. So that is one thing that uh, that is uh, that is kind of pending or yeah. working on it. It needs some, needs some support. But there's quite a, you know, Reed Mason and 50 Proof. Like there's a lot of musical groups around here. Ken Duff is ready to do one and talk to local musicians. We had home roots happening for a while. There's music happening at Bowes. Yeah. Neil Emberg is actually doing a podcast. Uh, we actually came up with the idea of doing the podcast at the same time where he was before me. But uh, when I uh, put out the call on Facebook uh, saying that I was going to try and do a right. podcast and I was looking for uh, music, uh, Neil reached out to me and let me know he was doing one as well. And I wanted nice. to help any way he could. And so that's that's another person that's uh, that's doing podcasts, and then Sean Cooley also uh, reached out to me when I uh, yes. when I put the word out. So I think he he does some stuff as well. Um, I was surprised Neil was telling me all the hard like the headaches he was having, even using his own music that he recorded. He can't use on the podcast uh, because they're I don't know something with the rights and this yeah. and that. So. Um, well, I looked and I, I have, I have a file on it, but I was looking for, um, software to install that analyzes because my issue is, let's say that you're doing one at home and you add some music to it. Well, I have to have that. I have to own that music in my library to play it or, yeah. or be creative common 
or yeah. exactly yeah. which is what i've been using on my my street videos but there's software that will um you know ch track down the music no pun intended mm -hmm. and you know um make sure that every musician that plays like it's quite complicated yeah. i was talking to a Janie minor about it jenny minor and she said it's it's really it's quite a headache but there has to be a way to solve it yeah so i've been doing um the creative uh, comments Common. yeah and using that but this episode of the podcast is actually uh bang on the ear uh, oh. that's uh that's going to be the intro music and uh, they have a new christmas song that they wrote uh oh. christmas in glengarry i'm sorry i didn't look up the the name but it's actually really catchy and uh, um they're going to be uh, on the podcast in the future uh, they've oh, got a documentary coming out uh, but i figured I'd, i wanted to get their song on the the podcast uh um, before Christmas and before they come on. So, um, and I should mention too, Neil Emberg is working on, he wrote a song, uh, I think it's called gingerbread, gingerbread town. And then he put the, he, we wrote an article about it. He put the call out to people by December 8th to send in photos and video. He says he's been overwhelmed. Oh, good. And so his video should be coming out, I think within a few days and we're going to put, share a link to it. And, uh, I got the best picture across the street. My neighbors, and I won't mention their names, but everybody in a small town, everybody knows who they are. Yeah. Anyway, they were putting up this beautiful big wreath upstairs, like on the second story of their house, and they had the window open, and and uh, the, the dad was looking out of the house, and then before you know it, his daughter was looking out, and I said, wait. <laughs> and I ran home, and I got my, my phone, and I shot a little short video of yeah. her kind of waving out the window, but... It was just uh, such a nice Christmassy kind of thing. I thought it has to be. Well, I'll see if he uses it. But yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So there's there's lots of people in town. So what happened to Vancouver FM? Like when did it start? Um... Um, well, Jean Sarazan started it uh, oof, at least probably 15 years ago. And then um, we had an antenna on the roof. So it was over the airwaves. And then he moved out to Vancouver. Um, not Vancouver, but British Columbia. Well, yeah, sort of close to Vancouver about uh, five years ago and he just recently asked for his antenna he had left it here and I was going to take it over and I just was so busy with the 125th that you know I didn't do anything about it I mean it was still broadcasting um, but anyway so we we've dismantled the antenna I mean we still could put it back up there but the idea and it, right now it's just online so um, he's starting a community radio station out there so we built him a new website and he's supposed to use it out there but we also kept the template for ourselves okay. and that's going to be Van Cleek FM but that's what I was going to say to you is because um, this is so familiar to me every Tuesday night and Wednesday night we had like two shows a night here people would come in the whole this was this type of setup that you and I are sitting at which is two microphones a laptop and the whatever that's called mixer or whatever mixer, yeah. um, it was all set up so everybody you know all of the uh, the hot shots would just walk in and sit down, you know, and Jean had set up like a million cables and wires and Eddie Earwig used to do it. Yeah. And Justin Bromberg was on and Todd Gilbert and uh, Jackie Severs had her own show. And um, gosh, who else? We And we had live music here all the time. We've had Patty Kelly and we had Ashley McLeod. We had Celtic Flair. So we had, you know, music clips. And then I'd often arrange for people to come in that were doing something in the community, like a story. But I was thinking... We have the um, the counter that's in the front there. When it pulls out, we took the doors off and there's trays to pull out. You can set up all your audio equipment right there. And we were streaming live from here using the, the review internet. So yeah. it was kind of fun. But um, it's how to I'm, mo I'm monetize not, that. Is I'm the... not, well, and that's the thing. I think for the SOCAN, you can just pay the $100 fee. And if you're not making any revenue, you don't, you know, you don't have to worry about the rights too much. But once you start trying to make, 
And I have sponsors already lined up. I want to do more like a PBS thing where you're a sponsor and you can choose the thing that you're going to sponsor. Like maybe you're going to sponsor the community events for six months and you pay a set amount and that's it. And we just mention your name at the end, like nothing too crass. So yeah. I, I'll have to get back on that. I know you and I talked about that and you said, you know, what could you do to help? So yeah. it's just, uh, yeah, we would definitely, yeah, the, the, the podcast is going a lot better than I ever expected it would. I was thinking like if I got 10, 15 people on here, uh, I would be, I would be happy. And, uh, we, we reached over a thousand downloads, uh, last week. So that's was, great. Yeah. I, I know it's, it's peanuts for, uh, uh compared to what the reviews, uh, bring in, but, uh, no, for, but, for what we're doing, but I people was, love local. Yeah. And that's, and I know you had talked about videos too, and maybe the people listening can give you feedback. There's been a lot of research done about why is radio still going strong in this day and age? And there's something about, um, there's a certain amount of concentration when you're listening to the radio and it's, it's more intimacy. People are listening carefully to your voice. When you're watching a video, you're doing a whole bunch of stuff, but when you're actually listening to someone speak, it's, it's a different neural kind of input coming into your, I mean, there's huge radio fans. People are following podcasts everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I, I drive to Ottawa every day for work and I listen to podcasts up and down. And what's your, what's your favorite? What are your favorites? Uh, my favorites are Joe Rogan experience, um, spinning chicklets, which is a hockey podcast. And, uh, I also like the Tim Ferriss experiment. Uh, he's an author and I, uh, I enjoy his stuff. And then there's other people that I, I dabble with. I, I'm a big wrestling fan. So there's uh, quite a few wrestling podcasts out there that I, that I'll listen to, uh, but but Joe Rogan's my my main go-to. He has the biggest guests, and uh, I just I like Joe. So he's a. Do you know who Joe Rogan is? Not a clue. Not. Well, I hate it. I so gonna, he, he's gonna the, look it up when I get out of here. Uh, well, he's the podcasting king. Uh, he just sold his his podcast uh, library to Spotify uh, for a hundred million dollars. Wow. And uh, so I think it's. I think it's two years. They they bought it for two years, a hundred million million dollars, and they have all his back episodes and the videos. So everything used to be on YouTube, and you could get uh, the podcast anywhere. Uh, now it's strictly on Spotify. It's still free, um, and the format has changed a little bit. Like he used to do ad reads at the beginning. He's not doing that anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's the king of, of podcasts. Uh, he's generally number, number one, uh, every month, uh, with the number of, uh, downloads and whatnot. So, well, I feel stupid for not knowing. I'm meanwhile, I'm listening to stuff like Canada land. There's another good example of a guy monetizing and, uh, BBC world book club. And, yeah, so and I like this. Ser- I like the NPR stuff. I like the uh, the serial. You know the what's the, what's the one where something happened here and they take weeks to unroll this. Serial uh, serials. Uh, I think they're in the fourth season of that. It's uh, it's usually a murder or, or yeah, somebody that's or some dis- like a story that they haven't been able to solve. Or yeah, actually, I want to talk to you about that after too. Um, I know we've had a, we've had a few of those. In our well, town. yeah, I'm just I'm wondering what the implications would be of trying to to go down that rabbit hole of of uh, looking looking into some of the strange uh, yeah. unsolved mysteries in Vancouver, but it might not be a good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. If Joe Rogan would be your your speed. He's a uh, he's a comedian and he's also a UFC uh, commentator. So the Ultimate Fighting Championship. So. Uh, but he does have, I've heard the name. He, I just didn't yeah, know the podcast. Like he, I sort of, the name is, yeah. Yeah. Like he has the best guests on. He, um, 
see he's had Jamie Foxx on recently and Matthew McConaughey on recently. But what I've come to notice is that uh, the people that come on the podcast tend to do like the loop. So they're, they're on a, yeah. yeah. So Matthew McConaughey was on Joe Rogan and then he was also on Tim Ferriss the very next week. Um, so the, the big ones, you get these people that jump around if they're, they're doing a book or, or whatnot. So, um, but yeah, uh, Joe Rogan, definitely worth uh, checking out. Uh, speaking of books, uh, I just, uh, I was here on the weekend. I, I stood outside in the, uh, in the cold and the steps in a big line waiting to get your, uh, <laughs> I don't banquet. think there was a big line. Oh, there was a line. Yes, there was. There really? Was these, yeah. Saturday morning, there was a line. I was I went, in an all day course on Saturday, so I wasn't able to be here. But. Yeah. No, I went to the Arbor Gallery for some reason. I thought it was there. And then I, I came over here and there was, uh, there was a line out on the sidewalk. You were only letting one person at a time, so... <laughs> But uh, still, a line nonetheless. Um, so tell me about the new book. Um, what uh, what led well, you to... Well, um, I know everybody in town. I always talk about when I write my book, you know, because it's all the stories that I can't print. Just funny things that happen that um, I'd love to kind of make into sort of a fictional thing. But just that I was working such... We were posting a lot of stories and my staff, you know, went during the early days of the pandemic in the spring I started walking but I wasn't getting home till seven or eight at night so I ended up being out like between eight and nine I started that was my unwind for the day and then you know spring turned into summer and I was still walking and then um, I started taking pictures um, just at night because it just seemed so serene and I wasn't seeing anybody but you know I'd walk by at night and you'd see people sitting outside in their yard you'd see people in their house and they're watching tv and it's sort of you know, not that I'm standing there looking at the windows, but everybody <laughs> that walks at night does this. Yeah. But just that everybody was home. Everybody was still here. We were hanging in. And I just was just was kind of nostalgic. And, you know, it's like you talked about uh, Video Bite before. You know, there's a lot of businesses have come and gone here. And we need to think about that. Like some businesses were here for many, many years, but some would try for a year or two and they, they didn't make it. You know, it's hard. So that's why it's so important to support local. But anyway, so I started taking pictures and then I just, there were lots of words floating around in my head. So I decided, well, I was going to choose some of my pictures and put them into a book and sort of break the ice. Plus I've been for years now, I've been helping other people publish their books. And I thought maybe, you know, yeah, I I should do it too. And yeah, I have a a couple of other uh, books that I want to work on. So at least I've tried this and I didn't, Nobody came and said it's horrible. I mean, it's well, just no, for... agonizing when you said, when you said, now I know what the other writers that, you know, these typical questions, what if people don't like it? What if nobody buys it? What if I look stupid? You know, those same questions. Well, you never but... know until you try, right? Yep. Uh, no, it's, it's a lovely book. Uh, my parents asked me where they could get one. So um, where can they get one? Is it? It's sold exclusively at the review, but also during this time of uh, COVID, uh, the review has created an online gift and bookshop. So um, you can buy it there and there are other books on there and other souvenirs. We're getting a bunch of really interesting uh, things in tomorrow from the Dalkeith Historical Society, some books and things that people are going to love. And uh, we're going to be adding all of our products that we have here. We have over I think it's over 75 different items out front for sale by local authors, uh, musicians. We have CDs, note cards. So we want to create this online shop with a view that it's going to be there sort of 
a marketing thing for Bankley Hill, even if you can't come here, so that when we're back, we're up and running and open for business everywhere that people will want to come and actually see some of these places and the streets and listen yeah. to the music. Uh, so do you have any in stock now or will you have we any? We should tomorrow if, if UPS graces us with their presence. Yes. Yeah. Right. No, they, they were supposed to be here Wednesday and, uh, tomorrow we have all offered up prayers to the delivery gods and we hope to hell they're here tomorrow. Yeah. So, uh, where do you get the publishing done? If you don't mind me asking, like, is um, it... I have a printer in Ottawa okay. that's an independent printer and he's been doing a great job. Um, but when I help people publish their books today to self-publish, there's many different options and I'm quite open with everybody. It's it, not named after me, but it's called lulu.com. Okay. You can find bad reviews about it, but today it really opens up a lot of opportunities. Like if you wanted to write a book, you can make your book, get your ISBN, put it in your book and upload your PDF, design your one piece cover. And within two minutes, your book is for sale on lulu.com. Oh, really? And so if someone buys your book, then the cost of printing goes to lulu.com. They keep 20% and you get the rest of the revenue in your PayPal account. Um, if there's a mistake in your book, you fix the PDF, you upload it. Within two minutes, your revised version is there. You don't have any costs, yeah. right? You can so, order one book. But normally, the and again, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, of Shop Local, but it took the risk away from smaller authors from saying, well, do I order a hundred books and then what? So this way you have your book for sale online and I do eBooks as well, because if you put it on Amazon, Amazon takes 40% plus the cost of printing. Like people end up with like a dollar 32 for the book that they wrote. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Amazon. They're not very author friendly. I mean, the, the website is easy to use, but, um, so, but there's different options like lulu.com is really great for a black and white book. But when you start getting into a lot of color printing with some black and white pages, that particular, uh, online publisher either sees it as color or black and white. Like they can't be, yeah. uh, they don't, they don't get that refined. So that's why I like encouraging a local guy. Plus it's five to seven days. We have the books, whereas it's a real crap shoot. If you go online these days with delivery, you yeah. know, there's all these COVID delays and so anyway, so it's a, it's a mix, you know, we try to do things that, um, suit the author and what their needs are and we gauge it and try to do, I always recommend pre-sales for authors. You know, you get a feeling for how many books you can sell ahead of time. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's just been really fun. I mean, I've loved words since I knew what words were. So it's kind of like a, a really nice yeah. kind of a break to work on books a few days a week from and keep the newspaper going at the same time. But yeah. So I hear you're doing a book with Sid McCollum. Uh, is that correct? Or Yes, I just got all of it today. I'm pretty excited. You know, I didn't know him. I mean, I knew who he was, but I, I didn't go to Pleasant Corners. So I was the last graduating class from Hawkesbury. So I never attended school there. Um, and it's a, I, I was saying to him today, it's a, it's a wonderful way to get to know someone to read their life story. Yeah. Like I, his book is, I said, it's going to be incredible. I mean, he's got dozens of photos. Um, he's got poems. He's got like essays and poems. In fact, by the guy that I'm looking at right here, something called, it's a scoop. It'll probably shoot me. It was something called a very bad day or something like that. Anyway, it's a little uh, essay that you wrote. Uh -oh. And then you are also, you're a profile in the book. I think the wonderful thing that Sid is doing is he's profiling some students um, and what they have gone on to do in life, like uh, Joey Desjardins, actually Jason Jackson is one of them. Um, who else is in there? Uh, Terry Loretto's in there. Um, 
gosh, I just, I've lost the names. So he's got, you're going to have five chapters and it's going to be a big one. It's going to be like 300 pages, oh, I think. Good. And a, a really, really nice, a very, very nice book. And uh, when do you think that's coming out? Uh... That will not be out. He'll probably go up for pre-sale uh, mid-February to March 1st. We have to, I have to, everything is written out by hand. So we have to type this. Oh, really? And scan the pictures <laughs> and put it all together and edit it. And yeah. then I said, we, we don't want to put a price on it until we know what your print costs are. We don't know the print costs. Yeah. This is what I do with authors. There's all these steps that uh, I've got another author I'm working with on a book about positive psychology. Um, and I have another one too. That's a book of poems. So I usually have three or four books going on at the same time. Um, you didn't think that maybe you should teach him how to use a word processor so that, so he wouldn't have to type <laughs> hey, all this. He is now forwarding emails and sending attachments. We've yeah. made a lot of progress. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, I, he came to me, he was already well into it. He yeah. had already, he had already written and he was recopying things. And I said, you could just take a picture of that with your phone. But, uh, no, he's, um, He's, uh, he's an interesting person, very interesting yeah, well, person. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the, uh, seeing the book. Um, I know he, he reached out to me and because uh, I coach basketball, so I think there's a little bit of a basketball uh, flair to it. So he just wanted to know what my uh, what all we had done when we, we had basketball teams here and who had coached and, and whatnot. So it was, it was nice to take a trip down memory lane. And, uh, it's, and, it's really yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It really is. Um, yeah. And there's there's another, um, maybe I'm going off topic here. Um, I know before you were saying like what big things is the review working on. There's a huge thing that we have to tackle. We're still, some of our scans um, I was not happy with. So we're getting some of our pages re-scanned from a company that is, I, I feel like they must be, um, they're ex extremely slow, but the quality is exceptionally good. It's amazing. So we just about have 22 more years to upload. Like we are closing this, they were closed three months for COVID. Like it's just been a nightmare. And I yeah. said, we have to. And then our final two plaques to go up on the wall, which were supposed to go up at the beginning of the year, got stuck somewhere. And then they were stuck in Halifax for three months. So I think they just got here. So I'm hoping they can do them before the winter. But it's all of our photo archives. I've been doing some reading about those. I want to scan all of our 35 millimeter negatives. I mean, we have a lot of digital pictures, but like you should see the black and white negatives yeah. and, and we have how we have to do something to correlate them. We'll put the names with them because we do have the names. They were like we, in the olden days for all of you people listening, you'd have a 35 millimeter camera and you'd take like six pictures of the same thing because you didn't know if anybody closed their eyes. You didn't know if somebody was picking their nose at the wrong moment. So you took pictures, took pictures, took pictures to get one good one. Yeah. And so we have all the negatives of people with closed eyes. We have incredible pictures. So it's how to digitize those. And I thought it could be another little revenue stream. I mean, even if we charge people 99 cents, it would help assist. And I, I would like to invent something like a whole setup that is transferable and other century newspapers could use it because they all have tons of photos and yeah. nobody can see them. You know, I, anyway, if anybody, if you have any ideas, I know you're creative. Um, so, so how is the project coming? Like, when do you, is it online right now? Is it not? A lot of it is online. So uh, I, I could go on and log in and see it or you can, you can log in, but all the years are not there. Okay. Um, we have 1893 to 1926. Um, 
and I think we have two years in the 60s, which we did as a pilot because I was doing some samples. We've been digital from 2004 forward, but we're, it's kind of like if you picture an Oreo sandwich and we're working at it from both ends. Yeah. But I just, I think uh, what we have ready, what's going to get uploaded over the holidays, they said they were sending them out from Toronto this week. I, I needled them again. Um, I think it's um, most of the 80s and it could be into the 70s. I think that's what's, what's, what's coming in. Yeah. Because we have to... It's so much information that we have to let IGS know that we need to upload. And we have to let the database people know that it's incoming because it's going to completely block their system. Okay. And it's going to take, it's going to, uh, I think Travis did a calculation. It's going to take 11, all night to do 11 years. So it's two overnights to upload yeah. all that time. Good. I'm looking forward to the 90s. That was kind of my... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be I can't, good. I can't wait. I can't, you know, people, we raised so much money. That was such a successful campaign. And, um, and we've got an, a, a three years of a newspaper that existed just for a short time based in Lornell, and that's going to be uploaded as a separate publication. I really want to complete this. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so hard to find time to do extras with a newspaper because you're constantly working toward that next deadline, but yeah, we are we are going to get there this year, come hell or high water. Yeah, I think actually think a um, like a trip down memory lane would be a good uh, section for your newspaper. Publish something, you know, this day in in 1985 or this day in 1962 mm-hmm. or you know whatever uh, would be uh, would be interesting um, to, for people to go back and and look and uh, you know something to, that they can flip right to and and check out to see. Yeah. Um, so, uh, do you have a succession plan, uh, worked out yet or? Um, I have a couple of things, but not at Liberty to say, okay. um, thinking about it, but yeah. I, you know, I love what I do. Um, but I don't want to do it if I'm not good at it. So if there's ever a time where I'm not relevant or the paper's not relevant, but I do want to hand off something that's, um, you know, ready, ready yeah. for somebody that's, that's, I mean, we, we're keeping up on all levels we're we're actually one of the leaders in the province like we're ahead of many community weeklies yeah i mean unless they're part of a big chain where they've got a huge machine behind them and they have one website template and they give it to all 10 newspapers like we built our own from zero um you know selling our online stuff we sell facebook contests um, we do website design for other people now we write social media content we kind of ghost write for companies so we're trying to diversify and yeah. stay relevant you know no, if we're not if we're not needed you know it's always always a chance somebody else will come along and do a better job oh i don't i don't know about that you're doing a great job and uh and you're uh, a cog in the the wheel of the community uh and keep us running there um for people who want to get stuff into the paper what's the best way i've heard some some criticisms oh why didn't this person get covered or that person be covered in the in the newspaper yeah. and um, I've always told them if I want something in the newspaper, I generally just send it in and there yeah. it is. I think, I think, um, we have so many ways all like many people say that, you know, how come and why not? And it's, a, I can remember giving a talk one time to somebody, you know, was at a service organization. I don't remember what club it was. And they said, uh, you know, how come there's never any news about our club in your paper? And I said, well, who's your, who's your PR person? Like who's supposed to send us in news? And it was the person asking the question. <laughs> and I said, we would love to have your news, but 
people think we're everywhere and you know certainly i'm not cruising on facebook every minute of every day and i'm always like we have a great item coming from uh, a teacher at pleasant corners this week with some just a really sweet story it's going to be in next week so you can email the editor you can visit our website and add your content there you can phone us you can put something in our mailbox out front you can send it by canada post um, you can send me a facebook message an instagram message we're so reachable, but I, if people only knew how much we want to be the heartbeat of the community, and if we're missing something, I always say, well, send it along, send it to us because we're a small staff. We can't be everywhere. Like yeah. we would love to have your news and you can email pictures. Everybody's a journalist today. Send us your stuff and you should see it. Like I often think like people think, oh, you know, it's just a little humdrum newspaper. Like there's a pharmacist right now who says he's, there's a drug that, it, they're not getting the word out about it and it would really help people with COVID the symptoms and I said I can't just write about that and he said I have no financial interest in the company and I said but you know I have to clear the time to do research before I write that because I don't want to misrepresent it we have people that are sitting in their truck while a robbery's in progress they don't call the police they start <laughs> filming and they 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 shoot us a message they put, I'm live at this robbery mm -hmm. you know like it's so interesting this this stuff that comes in here it's like you would not believe it like it's never a dull moment yeah um anyway well, your front desk is like a community help desk uh people come in and ask for all kinds of things and yeah which is uh, which is great but people just if they email editor at the review our dot uh, ca our contact information is on the website. You can find us on Facebook and message us. I'm really happy. We have over 12,000 followers, uh, 10,661, I think, uh, likes people that like us. And not everybody, you know, they say if you're a newspaper publisher and you have not created any enemies by the time you retire, you have not done your job right. Yeah. So it ain't a popularity contest. No. And I knew that, but I still, I want to have, you know, I hope I've made a difference at oh, the end sure. of, at the end of, for sure. This and the beginning before I begin something else, but. Um, do you have any uh, timbits or anything from Vatlakil that, uh, <laughs> like history-wise, uh, I know you're, you know the um, history of Vatlakil quite well. Well, recently someone told me that there used to be a tunnel from uh, where Andre Martel's house is, a tunnel under the street to the United Church. Now, I've done some questioning, and that has turned out to be not true. Um, people thought there was ghosts. There were ghosts at the Higginson Tower, excuse me. And we had the Ottawa Paranormal Society here during the summer. Yes. They're trying to do a series and pitch it to Netflix. And they said they heard a woman's voice and a man's voice, and they were singing some type of Irish song. I didn't hear anything. I was outside over there till 2 o'clock in the morning. Heard nothing. <laughs> Uh, there's, I'd like to interview them as well. But there, uh, there list. are, there's a house on the way to the fairgrounds and the people that live there and I won't say who they are. They swear there's ghosts. There's several homes in town that people swear that there are ghosts in there. Um, uh, I don't know if I, yeah, I don't know if I know, uh, things that people may not know about Bankley Kill. Hmm. What have you heard? Do you have any? Well, tell me what was at the arena before the arena was there. I know it was Mill Street. It was a pond. It was a pond. There was a pond there, and I don't remember the details. I was just working at the review as a high school student, but there was some kind of big stink because there was so much water there that it was like flooding somebody's property. And when I think today, imagine if we had a pond in the middle of town. Yeah. And apparently, whoever the casket maker was, and I'm talking you know, way back, 
that he could be seen at various times, like paddling around in the pond, in the coffin to make sure that it was like watertight. <laughs> so that's a funny story that I've heard about Bankley Kill. But wasn't there a brick, uh, a brick factory there or where was the brick factory? I think there were four in town. Four brick factories. And then there was one, there may have been another one um, at um, across from PCPS in the brick house. There. Okay. there was a brick factory there for sure. I saw Michelle just posted the history, but I had known it before. It was the steel house. I'm not sure where, I can't think right now where the brick factories were, but there was a carriage factory like where Weldon's Mechanical is. That was the Durant pump factory. They okay. used to make washing machines and all kinds of things there. I did a bit of research when I, I just did a story about him. I don't know if you saw it, but I got a tour. Of, of Dennis's, yes. Of Dennis's, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw your, uh, it, was, it was an interesting article. Um, um, I'd like to see, uh, the, the, uh, truck that comes out there that they were talking about taking to SEMA. That would be, uh, quite interesting. Um, yeah, if he, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff there. I don't know what a person would do with it, but he seems to know, like there's oh, yeah. pieces of stuff. And I get that people that, I mean, if I look at it, he said, it's not a junkyard and he hates when people call it a junkyard. And I said, I don't think it's a junkyard, but it's just people don't know, like, is this going to be used for something or is it just that you don't know what to do with it? That's what other people are thinking. But that business has been there for over a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. Alvi, Alvi was a Moto Guzzi dealer or mechanic guy. I remember Dennis, uh, Dennis and I are the same age. So he used to come to, uh, to school with his, his Moto Guzzi, uh, shirts on, uh, from his oh. dad's shop and, um, he was always big into, into shop class. Uh, I think he tried to take as many shops as he could possibly yeah. take while he was That's there. That's obviously his passion. Yeah. And there used to be five bakers in Bankley Kill and there was a bread inspector. I've read all of the reviews from 1900 to 1950. Oh, really? Yeah. So the bread inspector would do random checks to see how much the bread weighed. And if the bread was too heavy, that was an indicator that the baker had put too much water in it and was cheating people. And he would get fined. Oh. So we talk about municipalities yeah. meddling. Imagine having your bread weighed if you were a baker. Yeah. The uh, the big stone house on the corner of Pleasant Corners and 34. I heard that was haunted. I heard oh, that, did you? I heard oh, I haven't was, heard that one. Oh, no. I heard there was a like a murder there. Like a whole family was murdered by their hired man or somebody that was there. Maybe I got the wrong house. That was, there, yeah, that's uh, that has happened. I'm not sure if that happened there. That was the story I heard, but I know that um, a real estate agent was showing that property, and whoever he was showing it to, um, they they tied the real estate person up into a chair in the basement and took his wallet and his money. Oh yeah, that's for real. Really? Is yeah. It... I mean, they didn't. They didn't. I mean, he survived it. They just left him there. But that was a scary, scary thing. Hmm. Was that in the paper? Or... It was in the paper years ago. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'll have to look it up when I get on to my Yeah, uh, I know. It's like it's just the bane of my existence that that's not finished, but we will overcome. Good, good. Well, I think we're, we're well over an hour there now. So. Oh, dear. No, that's great. Uh, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I'll probably get you on again some other time, and we'll, we'll talk about some more history or... Uh, whatever projects you've got uh, going on at that point. And Once the town comes to life again. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, thanks for, uh, for coming on. Well, thank you for inviting me. All right. Have a good night. You too. Good Bye. night.
It's Christmas time again in the county of the Glen. A Christmas tree is ready for Saint Nick. And the stockings, they are hung with the hope that Rudolph comes. Sweet Glengarry, it's Christmas time again. Well, there's nothing quite like a Celtic Christmas night. We're ready for you when the time is right. We're gathered by the fire, singing songs and sipping cider. Merry Christmas to all and to all a merry old night. Well, it's 40 odd below and the snow begins to blow. We'll be counting on old Rudy's nose tonight. And as Santa makes his way and the children lay awake, the pipes will play to welcome him our way. Well, there's nothing quite like a Celtic Christmas night. We're ready for you when the time's right. We're gathered by the fire, singing songs and sipping cider. Merry Christmas to all and to all a merry old night. As we slowly all awake with a smile upon our face, we all rush out to gather round the tree. Friends and family, we all gather with our matching Christmas sweaters. Happy holidays and best wishes for the new year. Well, there's nothing quite like a Celtic Christmas night. We're ready for you when the time is right. We're gathered by the fire Singing songs and sipping cider. Merry Christmas to all and to all a merry old night. Merry Christmas to all and to all a merry